Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. Um, my name is Elena. This is 20 something, the podcast where we talk about how to thrive in your 20s, everything from business to career advice to investing to health, wellness, fitness, relationships, all of the above. Um, I'm excited for it today. Today's podcast is going to be all about investing. We're getting into the good stuff. I have my espresso with me. Um, a glass of red wine would have made it better, but this will do. Um, my goal for the goal for today's podcast is two things. First, to convince you to invest heavily in your 20s if you don't already do so. And if you do, I want to convince you to consider veering outside of um, stocks and index funds into some more interesting stuff. So we I think we'll start with a background on why you should even invest heavily in your 20s and what your advantages are. Then we'll get into some specific asset classes that you should be aware of. We're going to talk about individual stocks, index funds, startups, retail, crypto, domain names, um, and a fun little extra alternative investment that I've personally been looking at if you stay tuned until the end. Now, I think the fact that you're even listening to this is a good sign. You would be surprised how many young people, people our age, who don't have a habit of investing um, or even an interest in learning about it. I think one of the, the biggest faults of the school system is that investing isn't made mandatory. It's not a mandatory part of our education. We don't learn about it in school. It This is essentially setting people up for failure later in their life. Um, I know like I personally, I went to business school and yeah, we talked about investing. There were a couple classes you could take, but to be honest, like 99% of what I know about investing, which like I'm not an expert, it's not a lot, but everything I know, I learned online. I guess that's the cool thing is that in the world that we live in, like you have no excuses um, to not learn how to do something. Like everybody has more or less the same access to information and there's such a wealth of knowledge out there in like, again, in podcasts like this, in books, um, YouTube videos, blog articles. So everything I learned um, is from reading things online and you can certainly do the same if you're just getting started with learning about investing. The reason that it's important is because the single most reliable way to accumulate wealth is to start young. Why? A couple things. First, compound interest, the way that it works is that returns can grow exponentially the longer that you invest because you're not only earning returns on the capital that you've initially invested, but eventually you're earning returns on your returns. Um, The key thing is time in the market. So if you can give yourself as long of a time horizon as possible to make money, you're going to be very well off. The second is that young people certainly have the advantage of a long time horizon. Um, people's Usually people's biggest fear with investing or the reason they hold back is that they're like, oh my God, what if the stock market crashes? What if there's a recession and I lose all my money? That's true. There may be stock market crashes or corrections, even recessions every few years. But if you think about it, if your investment time horizon is like 10 to 20 plus years, you're essentially untouchable because there's a very strong t- chance that even if there's a dip or a crash, the market will recover and continue to grow within your time frame. So the analogy I like to think about is like, think about a graph. So if um, volatility in the stock market is like, if it's volatile this year, so it's like kind of like that, like the cardiac, what's it called? Like the, the graph that measures your heartbeat. If it's like super zigzaggy this year, the more you zoom out, like it's generally going to trend upwards. Um, so this is why 
if you're in your 20s, you're able to take bigger risks than, say, like a 65-year-old who needs to rely on their investment income for retirement in the near term. Like if you need to retire in five years, then obviously you can't take bigger risks. Um, and then if we're talking about investing in things like a business or a personal project, the best thing about being young is that you have a ton of time. So when you're young, you have little money, but a lot of time. When you're older, you have may have more money, but less time. It's like a crisscross graph that like cross paths in the middle. Um, so you can take advantage of that. The more time and energy you have when you're young, you might as well use that to invest in like starting a business, um, investing in building a specific skill set, things that take time that when you have a family um, and a more serious career when you're older, people end up being hesitant to do. Like the biggest regret that I hear from adults is that, well, first that they didn't start investing younger and second that like they wait until they were older to they never like did the things that they loved when they were younger is a huge regret that you don't want to have at the end of your life um the third reason that it's in that it's important to start investing young to accumulate wealth is that the younger you start you build a habit out of it so if you don't learn to manage your money now you're likely not going to be good at managing it later there's a lot to be said about the discipline that it takes to Spend money now on things that do not create immediate gratification, but will make you later wealthier on. So if you can, say, build a habit of putting away 10 to 20% of your income and investing it, that's going to stick with you for your entire life. And it's going to be so much easier when you're older. You won't have to, like, pain yourself to try to save or to try to invest. Um, that's that. I hope that convinced you. Now, moving on to some specific asset classes that you should be aware of and that you can get started investing in, the the most typical that people go towards is traditional equity. So when I say traditional equities, I mean stocks. A first step here is open an investment account with an online broker. I cannot recommend this enough. Please, God, do not invest through like a major bank. They will steal your money. The fees are so, so, so high when you're investing with um, a big bank. Like it's generally not worth it. It just eats into so many of your returns, so much of your returns. So you end up making a lot less money than you could with an online broker. An online broker is the same thing. Like they're, it's still a registered broker um, through which you're able to buy like stocks, bond index funds. But since it's not brick and mortar, they don't have to pay as much in expenses. Therefore, they do not charge you as much in fees. I am in Canada. The one that I use and recommend is Quest Trade. Super easy platform. I've had a great experience with them. I know Wealth Simple is another great one in Canada. Um, that was actually founded by uh, an Ivy grad, someone who went to my school. So that's a really great company too. And evidently for those in the US, Robinhood is the go-to um, that people our age really like flock towards. Now with stocks, you have two options. First, The first is to buy individual stocks. So like say you go out and buy a share of Coca-Cola, that's an individual stock and you have to pick the company you want to invest in. The second option is that if you are not certain in your ability to pick stocks, you can invest in an index fund. So that means that, say, instead of buying Coca-Cola, if you buy one share of an index that tracks the average returns of, like, for example, the 500 largest companies in the U.S., that's the S&P 500. So an index just means that you are buying into something that's more diversified and you don't have to do the work and as much research in trying to pick a specific company you want to invest in. It's also generally lower risk. Um, and that there's there's definitely value in that. I mean, they say that even the mo most hedge fund managers can't beat the market. So unless you have inside information or you are doing in-depth analysis of a company and are confident that it's undervalued or has incredible gross prospects, you might be better off sticking to index funds for the most part. Um, but that being said, I do think that stock picking can be part 
of an education. Like they're, they're equally value in like having a very small percentage of your portfolio specifically intended for playing around, right? Because if you don't experiment with like stock picking and doing the research about a company, you're never going to learn. It's like a very hands-on way of learning. I know that I personally see my investments as like a tax on my education, right? So I paid like close to $30,000 a year Canadian for business school. Um, So any money that I invest, I'm like, hey, like, let's just pretend that this was added onto my tuition. And I've learned a lot in the process. So like one of my first was like Tesla for me was the irrational but fun investment that I wanted to put money into just to see what happened. And it's kind of fun to be part of the community. Um, and I have zero regrets with that. Um, the Another system I would recommend when it comes to stocks is that I have it set up. So 10%, I think it's 10%, maybe 15% now of my income, of any income that comes into my bank account is automatically like taken from my paycheck and transferred to my TFSA. My TFSA, that's a tax-free savings account. Um, it's one of the easiest investment vehicles in Canada. I'm not the US equivalent, I think, like maybe like a 401k, don't quote me on that. I really have to learn this because I'm moving to the US in about two months. Um, maybe a 401k, but in Canada, TFSA. So 10% of my income is automatically transferred. Um, that way it's like out of sight, out of mind. I don't wait until I've paid off all my expenses and gone out partying and like spent money on travel and clothes and makeup and whatever, and then try to have money left over to invest after. It's it's the very first line item that I pay is like funding my investment accounts. Um, I'm literally psychotic at this point. Like I, it's actually funny the way I get excited. Anytime I make money, I get excited, not because I made money that I have to spend, but because my mind automatically like calculates what the 10 or 20% is. Um, and I get excited that I have more to play around with and invest. So I would recommend setting that up. Again, it's like a system that takes out the element of decision. So instead of having to rely on discipline, you rely on the system that has it set up so that you know that you are saving or investing a sufficient amount. hope that makes sense. Now, that is, I feel like that is enough of an overview for traditional equities. Um, I want to get into the fun stuff. So a few alternative investments I would recommend. Alt investments are anything other than your typical stocks and bonds. Um, and a list of them that I would recommend. The first that people think of is typically real estate. The thing about real estate is that it can be very difficult to invest in real estate when you're young. As 20-year-olds, you typical have, typically have limited capital if you're in school or you're just starting your career. So it's hard to have enough cash lying around to go and put a down payment on a property. Um, the best alternative I have found is Fundrise. So Fundrise is a website. It's US-based and it's essentially a fund that's like very accessible for young people to invest in. I think it's about a thousand dollar minimum. Um, you fund your account on the website and they use the fund to buy. I think they purchase primarily um, like residential and commercial real estate in the U.S., you get your returns for them. They have, their fee is also quite low. I believe it's um, 0.15% administrative fee on top of that. But again, it makes it much more accessible to invest in real estate. Like you're essentially buying a small chunk of a property or a small chunk of a portfolio that owns properties instead of having to, you know, buy your own house, manage a rental property, um, which is much more of a hassle. So this makes it easy when you're young. The next um, cryptocurrency, obviously everybody's favorite. I would not be doing this episode without mentioning crypto at least. Um, 
even if you do not understand crypto, which I feel like is the majority of people, crypto is very difficult to understand. I know that like my principle is I refuse to invest in something before I have at least some kind of basic grasp on the thing. So I held off on crypto for a very long time because I wanted to understand it. Like I had no idea what the blockchain was and it took me a good maybe three to six months to like spend a lot of time reading about it, read the original white paper, um, went through a lot of resources and I still only feel like I'm scratching the surface. Like Web3 in general is just, there's so much to learn. There's so many interesting projects, ways that value is being created. So it's it's hard to understand everything. Um, but the reality is that the world that we live in now is Web3, not Web2. And decentralized digital currencies will be a part of that very likely for a long time into the future. So it is a good idea to hold crypto at least a little bit as a hedge against, I hate to, this sounds so cheesy, but as a hedge against the collapse of like the global monetary system. Um, Cause that's what it is. Like crypto is a replacement for what we traditionally think of as money. Um, but I would say that unless you have a strong personal interest in it, stay away from like niche altcoins um, the major two are Bitcoin and Ethereum. So in, again, unless you're super interested, you don't have to worry about like smaller coins and do your own research. Um, DYOR. I actually have to, I saw the other day, there's um there's a brand that made a hat, like a baseball cap or a bucket hat that says DYOR. So like the acronym people use, um, and this is used very often in the world of like web threes, like do your own research, D-Y-O-R, which is like Dior. Somebody made a hat where it's like the Dior logo, um, like a mimic of it that says D-Y-O-R. I think it's pretty cute. I might have to get that. But do your own research. Um, what I will say for people who are hesitant, um, countries, like in 2022, countries have already adopted Bitcoin as legal tender. There are goods and services you can only purchase with crypto. Most major banks have an arm trading it. Um, so I, th- that can be very comforting that like there's a very good chance this is going to be part of the future and it's a good idea to have it. The big flag is like, please hold your own keys. Do not buy crypto through like Wealthsimple um, or another exchange platform that doesn't allow you to directly own it. Like things like Wealthsimple, they technically own the crypto um, and they have just in their records, they say like, oh, like this belongs to you. But for all intensive purposes on the blockchain, like the crypto belongs to them, not you. And if they go under or get hacked, like you can easily lose it. So please hold your own keys. I'd recommend Trust Wallet. Um, Trust Wallet is the one that I have super easy to use. Um, and it's been great so far. The next alternative investment that I personally, um, I got balls deep into this, like maybe a year or two ago is domain names. So domain names as in like www.google.ca is a domain name. The idea behind this is that it's it's digital real estate. So um, whereas physical property is like real estate in the, in the physical like realm, domain names are real estate in on the internet. And the value in these, these are inherently valuable because they're created, it's created through scarcity. Like there's are a limited number of domain names out there. You can only have one given domain, like you can have only have one domain with any given name. So because they're scarce and rare, they're inherently valuable. To invest in domain names, you would purchase a website domain on a site like the two I use are GoDaddy and Afternick. 
The idea is that you hold it for a couple years and attempt to sell it at a higher price than what you purchased it for. Or you can wait, you can like kind of squat on it um, and wait until a company reaches out and asks to buy it from you. A lot of the time, if a business is created under a certain name and you own like their business name as a domain, once they've registered the business, they'll like reach out to the person who owns the domain and say, hey, can we buy this off of you? We really need it for the company. Um, domain names can go from anywhere, like I'd say like $100 to like $100,000. There's a very, very large range. But in general, like right now, they're cheap because still not every domain has been registered. There are domains out there that have not been claimed yet. So buying domain names now is like buying prime real estate in New York in the 1960s when it was dirt cheap and now it's like ridiculously expensive. So that's something that I've been very interested by. My advice is to buy domain names with keywords related to sectors of interest that you think are going to boom in the next few years. So sectors that are high growth, think healthcare, tech, um, crypto is another one. Also anything that's like a simple one word or a very simple phrase, not too many numbers, dashes obviously, increases the value. I remember one of the first ones I bought after buying like my own name was um, Robo Taxi Online or something like that because it was around the time when Elon Musk was talking a ton about creating a robo taxi company with self-driving cars, just as an example. Um, now, the warning warning with domain names is that, first of all, they're sold auction style um, and the difficulty is that it's very hard to assess the true value of a domain name. Like, it's not like a company where you could, where there are known processes to go through and like calculate the intrinsic value. You're cu- kind of guessing based on experience and intuition. So this is more like gambling. I would not say to like have a huge percent of your investment portfolio dedicated towards domain names. It's more like a, like a fun little side thing that again is like high risk, higher return potential. Um, now the very last one that I wanted to include in this podcast that I've been getting excited about, um, I ran into this very recently, maybe two weeks ago on Twitter first and then looked into the company. But the last alternative investment I want to talk about is wine. Um, like wine that you drink. I'm a big wine gal. I love a good glass of Pinot Grigio. I've been getting into wine so much recently and I didn't know you could invest in it. Um, and I'm not just talking about like buying an antique bottle of wine keeping it and reselling it um because they do do wine auctions but actually through a fund so i found two companies um there are two companies that exist that are essentially it's an online website it's a platform that is basically a wine fund you can invest directly in the fund they go out they take your money they do the research and source um antique like bottles of fine wine vintage wines that are extremely valuable they they go to the auction, they buy them, they source them, they take care of them, they keep them in like cooled wine cellars in conditions where it will upkeep the value and then eventually resell them and you benefit from the returns. The two companies I found that do this, one is called Somtrust, one is VinoVest. I ran into this because I saw a tweet from the founder of VinoVest, but Somtrust is the one that I reached out to. I liked their platform. Um, and I actually got in contact. I've spoken with the CEO, the, the founder of the company. His name is Vito. I forget his last name, but they're based out of New York City. Um, very, very smart guy. He's he's fairly young. I would say he sounded like he was in his 30s. They really have a process that they stick to. They know what they're talking about. And you can tell it's like one of 
it seems like a small like startup team that's very passionate about what they do. Um, the the tagline that got me is that in all of their like investor presentations, they show how on average vintage wine has outperformed the S&P 500 over the past, I'm not sure what the time frame was, something like 10 years, which is really impressive. And it's true that actually like wine is a physical thing. So it's inherently like lower risk. Um, you're certain that there's value in it. And because supply is low, like value increases over time. And the, you know that the older a wine is, the more valuable it is. So it actually makes a lot of sense as an investment, the more that you think about it. This is why I'm so interested in it. They, again, both of these websites have $1,000 investment minimums um, if you're getting started, but they're very hands-on. Like you go through a survey on the website to assess your risk tolerance, things like that. Really well done. So that's a little last one um, that I wanted to include in there. Now, in terms of resources with investing, um, this is something you can only do if you're like, you need to be following up at minimum on, on business news and what's happening in the world because everything from politics to economics to business news to like social trends affects companies, affects the stock market. Um, so you have to stay informed. Now, my favorite resources, Twitter is a godsend when it comes to crypto in general, crypto specifically and investing in general. Um, Twitter is an extremely underrated information source. So if you don't have a Twitter account, like would absolutely make one. Twitter is so much fun. I go down rabbit holes so often. Again, that's how I ran into SomTrust. Email newsletters can also be very helpful. Morning Brew is the most popular business email newsletter that sends to your inbox like at 6 a.m. every morning and it's a super easy light read. The writers are actually really funny and it just covers a snapshot, like super quick overview of the the biggest business and political news stories um, that day and they get it out very quickly. There's another email newsletter I subscribe to called Alt Investments that again, every now and then sends an email about an alternative investment idea. They cover NFTs, they cover crypto, um, they cover like art and sports cards um, and other things like that, real estate a little bit. I actually think that's how I found Fundrise. So that's a good one. I can vouch for it. Books always, when it comes to traditional investing, especially in stocks, there are some great books out there. The classic is The Intelligent Investor by Ben Graham. The Richest Man in Babylon is a great one about saving and the the principle of investing. It doesn't go into specifics. And right now I'm just finishing up reading a book called Reminiscences of a Stock Operator that a prof recommended to me and is interesting. It was written in it it was written almost as an autobiography um style of a guy who was a stock operator for the majority of his career and lived through like the 1920s, the 1930s. And it's a, that was actually a really interesting read. I got through it fairly quickly. Podcasts, as always, um, I've learned a lot about investing through podcasts and continue to do so. My all-time favorite is NIA, so not investment advice, um, is probably like my single favorite source of entertainment in the entire world. It's by three, like just absolute lads, like two of them are from the UK. One is from Vancouver and they just chat about all things tech, crypto, edge of the internet, web three business. And it's really, really fun to listen to. They have me howling, laughing every time. And I've learned a lot. I've probably learned more about how to build a brand and garner attention and about web three than I have I had from that podcast than I have in like four years of business school. Um, two others, Tim Ferriss and Lewis Howe. So the Tim Ferriss show and Lewis Howe's his podcast is called The School of Greatness. 
those are good. They're not investment focused, but both of them have interviewed some really great guests on the topic of investing. Um, the one that comes to mind is Tim Ferriss's episode with Peter Malouk. I know I, I, I took notes on that one and I go back to it every now and then. He has some really interesting insights. Mm, the last bonus that I'll leave you with um, is... Oh, I'm so sorry about the noise. <laughs> the last bonus I'll leave you with is to invest in a business. So starting starting a business is one of the best ways that we can learn while we're young And again, you have the time and energy to do this that like most adult working professionals lack later in life. You also have a higher appetite for risk. Um, I know one of Stanley Druckenmiller's like three lessons, his three main lessons on investing. The one is to make concentrated bets in high conviction areas. So if you have an idea that you're passionate about, it's worth investing in. Even if you lose all your money, you will gain a hell of a lot of confidence and probably learn something along the way. Like think about how impressive it is to hear about a 20 something year old who has started multiple businesses. Even if the first five crash and burn and the sixth is a success, it's probably worth it. Again, this goes back to the the graph of like time on one axis, money on the other. Um, we have less money, but more time when we're young. So you might as well invest your time into things that can make you wealthier, healthier, or cultivate your skills for the long term, people our age tend to be very prone to blowing our money on drinks, nights out, clothes, video games, etc. And I'm all about it. Trust me, like I will happily spend $16 on an Aperol spritz, but it's okay to do that with some of your money, but also put away like 10 to 20% to invest in something that's actually valuable and productive that will make you wealthier later on, um, I think is always a good idea. I wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone who listened to the first episode. It means the world. Um, I truly love all five of you from the bottom of my heart, two of whom are my mother. Um, this has been a lot of fun. I, me starting a podcast was a very impulse decision. I think it was about 48 hours was the span of time between when I decided I wanted to start one and the first episode was like up and live. Um, but it's been a ton of fun so far. I really hope to continue this and I would also be very curious to hear like what you guys want to hear um, in the episodes. I don't want this to be just me ranting about what I want to talk about. I want to give you what you want to hear. So any feedback would be super helpful. I'd love to chat with you. Um, if you also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, that helps a ton. So I would really appreciate it. And I cannot wait to chat with you next time.